Jeff Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? And jumped onto Wikipedia. I was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, <laughs> as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there, you have tuned into episode 36 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living Bantha Pudu out of it. I'm Jose, aka Joxie in the Utiniverse, and joining me today is just me as usual. I'm Trev, keeper of the timeline pages over at Utini.com. I've spent my entire life consuming Star Wars media, and I've read over 1,000 Star Wars books and comics. So, for anyone joining us for the first time, this is a largely unscripted show where, once we've decided on each episode's topic, Jose will do whatever research he needs, I will do as little research as possible, and we can talk about anything Star Wars. Legends, canon, books, comics, TV video games, even miscellaneous newspaper clippings, and hopefully keep you entertained and informed over the next hour or so. However, me and Jose were just discussing before we started recording about whether we should talk about this or not. We're recording this on the 5th of March, 2022. Obviously, the world's a little crazy right now. Um, Russia has invaded Ukraine. It's a very, very messy, awful situation. We don't know what's going to be happening, what's going to have happened by the time this episode goes out to our lovely Patreon listeners. We don't know where we'll be when our regular listeners get this episode in three months' time. I just want to implore everyone, if we are anywhere like we are now with over one and a half million Ukrainian refugees currently escaping the country, donate what you can, find the Red Cross website, find any local charities that are doing donation drives, give what you can, whether it be boots, medicine, toiletries, blankets, sleeping bags, there's people in need and if Star Wars has taught us anything it's that we should fight against fascism wherever possible we should hold hope wherever possible um obviously I'm in Europe and it's it's pretty damn scary and we didn't want to start the episode on a downer and we did discuss whether to mention this or not but it's important it's real this is happening it's bloody scary um and there's people who need our help so if any of you are able to help in any way, please do. And now back to our regular programming. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just add one more thing to that. Uh, and it, that is just like, you know, if it is three months from now or, or if you're listening to this a few years from, from March, 20, uh, March 5th, 2022, I mean, there's always something going on in the world, right? So it's just, just it's good to be aware of, of others and uh, if there's any ways that, that you can help your fellow men fellow people than to do that um as well um but all right so trev uh now we are back to regular programming <laughs> um 
just uh so you know we'll to, on today's episode you know we'll uh, we'll get into that in a, in a minute um but i also i guess it's not regular programming just yet but i do want i just wanted to inform people to stay tuned at the end of the episode because we're trying something new uh today and uh this is it's, i guess it's a little bit of an experiment but we've uh i pretty excited about it i think it'll be it'll be kind of fun so trev what is it exactly that we're that we're doing so this episode is going to see us premiere star wars archives bedtime stories now <laughs> this is inspired by an old british kids show called jack and ori where famous people would come on and read read fairy tales read kid books kids yeah. books to kids um we thought we'd try something different. There's so much really short, obscure Star Wars fiction out there. And anyone who's even listened to one of these programs knows that this is my bag. This is what I love. So I've managed to rope in other members of the Utini team to read mm-hmm. these for us. <laughs> <laughs> and these are going to go live on YouTube. We're going to be introducing them at the end of each episode. Our My graceful co-host, Jose, has taken... Taken the bait and done the very first one for us. Um, yes. You will hear that at the end. And these are such wide-ranging pieces of fiction, each catered individually for the person reading them. I've tried to match these tiny bits of lore up to the interests of the people reading them. And, uh, yeah, so Star Wars Archives Bedtime Stories is our new experiment, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, and I'll say that for... On my end, I mean, and, and this is all we've, we've been telling everyone is to, we can't read our, whatever Trev selects for us. You know, he, he was, you know, out in this, uh, on this internship with Jocasta New and, and he's just, he just came back with all this new information from the archives. And so he just wanted to share all these stories with us. So, uh, he sends them to us. We don't read them beforehand. Then we turn on the camera and we record ourselves reading it. So uh, so every single laugh piece of, you know, if we're laughing or reaction or whatever, when we're reading this, it's all, it's all live is happening. And hopefully, yeah, I mean, it'll, it's, it'll, it's a good listen, but I think it's just make sure to check out the YouTube once they also are released there, because it's also kind of fun to see people actually reading these pieces. Yeah. And these, um, these are not chapters of books. No, this is, no. this is really, Con- really obscure stuff. This is contained <laughs> stuff. And, and my, my, the first one that what you're going to listen to, to me doing today was, you know, was also us trying it out. So it's more of a prototype. So, yeah. We, we learned uh, some lessons. Yes. We're like, let's try this out. And we did. And then, then we started roping in everyone else from the Utini staff. And, uh, so yeah, so that's something that we want to be doing moving forward with every episode. Um, and you'll see how, today's does connect with our with our episode today with our topic i'm not sure if we're always going to be able to match them up to whatever we talk about on that episode but today certainly does we yeah so. we, will, we will do our best but there's a we might as well say it. there's definite mandalorian tinge to the piece <laughs> that you're reading later <laughs> correct in fact and, more, more than a tinge yes and speaking of mandalorian <laughs> today's episode finally we will be talking about Boba Fett, of course. Yes. I mean, we, we, with Book of Boba Fett just being released out and, uh, you know, just being, just finishing on Disney Plus, uh, we covered Smugglers, we covered 
crime syndicates before this, and now we're finally talking about Boba Fett. We should probably do something really happy for the next one. (laughs) (laughs) What, Boba Fett is not a happy topic? Star Wars Archives, episode 37, Law-Abiding Citizens. That's not fun. (laughs) Can we just do a whole episode on Toydarians or Watto? I mean, that sounds ridiculous enough to sort of like balance the scales. That's in my head now. Watto's life story. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We'll see if that makes it. We'll see if that makes it into the list. Because we're in a Jar Jar, so I don't know if I can top that. (laughs) Jar Jar and Jackson. So, uh, random aliens that do they have a place in Star Wars? The answer, I guess, is yes. Because if they can have green rabbits and purple porcupines or whatever (laughs) hedgehogs, yeah, hedgehog, 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 the hedgehog. All right, but yeah, Boba Fett. I don't. I there's obviously there's uh, you know I, I think the rest of your team has been covering all this Boba Fett stuff lately as well. So we wanted to yes. get in on the mix. Uh, I, I guess every Star Wars fan that has some sort of YouTube show or podcast, I'm sure they've also been covering Boba Fett because of Book of Boba Fett, and we because uh, you know Trev has all this has had this huge library and all this knowledge of, of uh, thirty plus years of of Star Wars collecting. Thirty plus, that... bless you, bless you, thirty plus. <laughs> I'll take that. Well, I'm not saying you know. Well, you've been a I, you... thirty plus is generous. That's what yeah, I mean. I, okay, I will take good, it. I'm happy good, with that. I'm good. very okay, happy good. with that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it's it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting topic, uh, personally, to, because you know when when we first, I mean, Boba Fett obviously like does not have a lot of screen time in the original series. But Seven some... minutes. Seven minutes. It's either he has seven four or lines four. Di- he has four lines of dialogue. Yeah, so, so it's, I it's think either it's a seven, seven minutes. minutes or four minutes in the whole trilogy. Well, it's not even right. a whole trilogy, isn't it? It's two movies. Right, right. And then, and if we talk about like, we although, know, what else has his screen time would what? be longer if you were watching the special editions, mm-hmm. because there's a couple of extra shots of him in Jabba's palace, and I think one extra shot of him on Cloud City in the special editions versus yes. the original trilogy. Yes. But I said original trilogy, so yes. we're still... I, either way, I don't think those extra shots added up to more than a minute. So the <laughs> no. number still stands. However, yes, it did, not, it did not add more. And that kind of is going to bring me uh, up to, like, I think my main topic, or that I'm going to probably keep going back to, which is uh, the question of, is... Do you know more about Boba Fett? Um, does that diminish the character of Boba Fett or not? Because at the beginning, you know, and I'll let you go into that in a second, Trev. I see you can your face. see me. You can see me setting um, in. But all I'm, you know, and I'm, I bring this up just because he is brought in as this sort of enigmatic character. You see him. I mean, he looks cool for sure. Even the, you know, the. Um, I think he was designed to look cool. <laughs> that basically, he. And over the years, there's a, you know, there's been a few stories told here and there. A few, but now we have Book of Boba Fett that explains even more. So we spend a lot of time with him as a as a person, and dude, does does that add to the character, like how it's supposed to, or and or or do by knowing more about who he is, does that make him less cool and less of an interesting character? Okay, so until Book of Boba Fett, we 
had him throughout Legends, throughout the 90s. He is just ruthless bounty hunter guy. Really yes. good at his job. That's that's all you get for a lot of it. I mean, we, we're going to cover a lot of this throughout the episode, but that's the general gist of Boba Fett's entire characterization. Ruthless, cool-looking bounty hunter guy. Everyone yes. says he's the best, so you get numerous stories of him being the best. And his characterization varied so wildly depending on who was writing him. In some books or comics, he's really talky. In some, yeah. he doesn't talk at all. So the the enigmatic side of it is almost, it's almost a byproduct yeah. of there not being a lot of him in the trilogy, meaning people didn't know what to do with him, which means everyone did something differently with him. So it's, kind of... it's not even it's not even consistent. His his the mystery around him isn't consistent. Right. So does that make it intriguing or does it just make it awkward? I think it has the potential to make it intriguing and I'm going, you know, what I what I think I do best in this show <laughs> is when I bring in my references outside of Star Wars. And yes, because you so, haven't read ha- any of the books I talked about. <laughs> I've read 40-something some, books. Um, no, but um, apologies for that beeping sound. Uh, that's an alarm set for my dog. So if you're if it's coming in, okay, okay there we I'll, go. I'll cut it. All right. So um, what I'm thinking, as you were saying this uh, just now, Trev, what it made me think of was of the Joker. Uh, okay. The Joker is a character. Yes, and the Joker is a character that uh, he's every per every comic book writer, uh, you know, every film adaptation, every story, every new Batman story has a new um, story of how the Joker became the Joker, and do they that is do they? Yes, yes. They've ne- there is no canon backstory to the Joker. No, but I think as a as a rule. He had a fight with Batman. Some acid was involved. Not necessarily. Look at look at uh, Heath Ledger's Joker. But the same origin story has existed in numerous reboots of the comic. There's been alternate versions so of I'm not it, just but it's talking never about been Batman eighty nine. But that is a fairly consistent. There's some version of it. How? But you know, again, like if you like just the Christian Bale, the Batman movies with you know. That Heath Ledger Joker, that's not his story. And something that I think that to why he is my favorite Joker is the fact that he kind of acknowledges the fact that there he doesn't have a single backstory. He tells three different stories throughout the movies. Like, yeah. oh, do you know how I got this scars? It was this. Do you know how I got this scars? It was this. And he wears makeup. He he, he wasn't disfigured with acid or anything. So and 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 I think that what makes that to me is like personally what makes that. Uh, that version of the Joker is so appealing and so interesting is the fact that you don't know his past, that you have to fill in the blanks. And, and it's just part of like, it is that, that enigma of the character that allows you to sort of just fantasize about, so what happened that made this character who he is? And, and we I have, think that we... there is a portion of Boba Fett that is sort of like that. If you have all these random stories about his past, but you, if you never got to see his face, even though his face is the same as every other clone, but there's like, how did he get from like being this kid that was just a regular clone to now being the most bad, 
quote unquote most badass bounty hunter because I feel like that would be really Cad Bane. Well, However, that, that in itself <laughs> is interesting because the the kid clone Boba Fett didn't yeah. exist until two thousand two. Yeah, and that so, too. Yeah, so we had thirty years, twenty years of not backstory. In fact, there was literally one story in all of Legends before two thousand two, but even was brave enough to try and give him backstory. Oh, man. Okay, and I want you to get into that. I've, I've not mentioned that. That's not one on my list to mention. Well, but that ha- that one story has been various parts pulled from both in legends and canon to do the whole squint and it fits kind of thing yeah yeah huh all right why don't we do this Trev? why don't we we'll, we'll do a, a really quick sort of like chronology of like boba fett up until 2002 and then we can skip whatever that if we want and then we'll get to the main meat of it which is post our return of the jedi okay Does so that sound- so 2002 this has been sprung on me, so this is all off the cuff. Uh, 2002, but also stories no. before Return of a Jedi, because we're going to cover in the meat of a show the stories after Return of a Jedi. So before yes. that, we uh, you have him turn up in Galaxy of Fear book. He's in the... Sh- he has a short story in Tales of a Bounty Hunters, but it's a short story from Tales from Jabba's Palace, where they talk about him actually having a previous life as Jasta Marie or whatever journey protectors from concord dawn and that's mm-hmm. the story where you get a bit, bit of um uh backstory for boba fett and then it turns out in Django fett open seasons that jasta mariel was the guy who adopted him <laughs> after amazing. the mandalorians invaded his planet was it galadran uh which was the battle where Dooku lost faith of the Jedi and their capability to keep peace. Uh-huh. And Concord Dawn was introduced as a moon of Mandalore in the Clone Wars. So, again, if you squint, all of this stuff <laughs> can make sense. Yes. Because he was adopting the name Jastam Real to respect the person who took his father in or took him in. No, not took his father in. Django's father. Uh, sorry, the guy who took Django in after the attack uh, something like that my facts are way out but something along those lines again if yep. you squint my explanation makes yes. sense yeah i'm, I'm and, not a million miles away <laughs> and before that obviously we have his appearance in the holiday special yes um so, fun, which most fun, people fun say- fact so me and jose talk about music a lot uh there's a a project called uncle from the 1990s Yes. Minor Jose's era. Uh, DJ Shadow and the Scratch Perverts. It's science fiction is the album. It's amazing. They use a couple of sound bites in this album, one of which is Boba Fett from the holiday special. That's saying, uh, what does he say? Do you know where you are? I think I can help you? Or somewhere along those lines. In fact, I'm going <laughs> to rip that and play it right here. Yes, yes, that's fantastic. I can help you. I can help you. So most people say that that was the first time we ever, the whole public was introduced to Boba Fett, right? I mean, people say, oh, it, it was not 
Um, it was by, by the general public, you mean anyone watching TV between seven and eight o'clock on that one fateful night when yes. the holiday special yes. aired? Yes. <laughs> However, that is actually not the first time that the general public saw Boba Fett. It was. It actually happened in a local parade in Saint San Anselmo in California just a few months before the holiday special aired. Is this you... like a Macy's parade thing or? No, it was, a, it's a, no, it was completely a, a, foreign a small, to me. small parade in this small town in California. Okay. It's uh, I, it's in Marin County. So it is, you know, uh, where George Lucas is from. So they so already had the suit Star done. There? Oh, because George Lucas is from George that. Lucas. Okay. So it's one of these like rare occurrences where they actually had their real um, costumes and props from the movies in this tiny little local uh, parade. So they had only Darth Vader and Boba Fett parade and no one knew who boba fett was so everyone obviously went crazy seeing uh darth vader and then boba fett is there next to him and everyone's like who is this guy but everyone was also very much like uh they were gravitating towards him because he just looked that cool um so that's actually the first time that he appeared out in the public i'm i'm gonna ask a question mm-hmm. you you've done your research on the behind the scenes thing as you always do yes what color was Boba Fett of that parade? Uh, he was the actual, the real colors. He, he was fully colored. He was yeah, green, he was fully and, colored. green and red. Yes. Okay. So because, but you know I'm why I'm asking this, right? I, you're asking because originally he was white. Uh, his, his uh, original costume when, when Ralph McQuarrie uh, was developing him, he was, uh, he was supposed to be an elite sort of a uh, stormtrooper. So he was designed to be all white. And the idea of the of the T-shaped uh, helmet that was a little bit inspired by kind of like medieval sort of um, armor. So it has that little bit of an allure to it. But no, you know, no one really knows who came up with that idea. So um, that that's actually a long standing. Uh, well, not long standing. That was a briefly tallied with backstory for Boba Fett that mm. he was one of the Imperial shock shock commandos or super commandos and i'm pretty sure that even turned up on like the card back of one of the action figures oh really so it's it's one of those things before he was um canonized as a bounty hunter or a mandalorian (laughs) because even the really old marvel comics that we've spoke about before yeah kind of retcon that and this in the 80s they were kind of retconning it may even been something to do with the Star Wars fan club where he was first introduced and mentioned him as one of the Imperial shock commandos. Well, he there was a, a brief sort of in, like show and tell in in uh, I think it was in London um, um, or somewhere in Britain, at least. Uh, but uh, when he was all white and, and there is a video of, of disappearance and he the costume they had just finished the costume. And they thought that he should have a, uh, some sort of cape. They didn't have an actual cape. They just had this Star Wars flag uh, in, like, a, hung up on a wall. And they just put that around him. And But he was all white. And they described all his different weapons and how it all worked. But And this is when he was still going to be this elite um, stormtrooper. Yeah. And the reason they did not move forward with him as a stormtrooper, at least in the movie is because it would be too expensive to build a hundred of these costumes of these like armors. Oh, so okay. then, yeah. So then they decided they're like, well, we already have this one built. So what do we do with this? So they gave it back to the the I, f- I forget his name now, but 
he just had basically free range to color him however he wanted and do whatever he wanted with the actual costume. So he just started coloring him. He just first painted it silver to kind of make it look metallic. And then he added oh. the, the green and red colors on top of it so that it would just look like it was warm. Uh, and then he also this- like started... Ba- Banging it with rocks. I've got this so really it, weird uh, vision now of George Lucas looking at the original silver going, I really like that. Sorry, I'm trying to do Eric's impression <laughs> of George was, Lucas. That was pretty good. That was <laughs> pretty good. I, I really like that. But not having, yeah. not having the confidence to disagree with his designer. So uh, save, well, the, saving it for the movie 20 years later going, that's the remember thing. when that like guy he, made him silver? <laughs> yeah. No, he. they just went from the prototype of it all being white to the... One that we know. See, I didn't just know that. Just in one go. And George Lucas didn't care about, you know, because this is how he yeah. was. He's like, yeah. there, there is no backstory. He yeah. just looks cool. He looks right. Yeah. I didn't even pay that much attention to how he ended up being colored. It's just like, we just, but yeah, that, that is when George Lucas did say, it's like, well, he looks cool. So I don't know. He can be a bounty hunter. So that's, that is supposedly how it went from this elite white stormtrooper to a bounty, the bounty hunter that we know. But still, no backstory. So that's why, like, to me, like, yeah. there's, you know, for over a decade, there was, or, you know, for decades, I guess, there wasn't an established backstory to Boba Fett, just a, a few stories, like you mentioned. And going back to the Enigma thing, you know, the the other bounty hunters who were on the, the deck of the Star Destroyer, and that one scene in Empire Strikes Back, they all got fully fledged backstories in Legends. You know, RG88 oh, yeah. RG and as many droid brothers and taking over the second death star and teasing emperor palpatine with the doors of an elevator um yeah bosk and the whole eating his egg mates at in crash and zucks and forlom <laughs> and all their adventures but people didn't want to touch boba fett yeah because of the enigma and the mystery yeah well he had no face and his because face he looked mask. cool that's, that's yeah. the bottom line of it isn't it yeah he looked cool people just want him to be Baddest ass around. I well, and there, I think there's also the fact that then anyone is not about only filling in the blanks, but there's also this thing about he could be anyone, you could be him. So there's perhaps a little bit of that when like you can you can sort of put your. I mean, the idea that you could become that per, that that character because he has there's no skin color that you don't know a species you don't know anything about him so there's just sort of like there's that blank canvas see i have the, is the complete opposite take this, <laughs> this is jose's dark side he's thinking he could be the bounty hunter i'm thinking yeah. of the faceless evil that's hunting you that, that's my take <laughs> on it it's like michael myers or jason it's the emotionless mask that's hunting you <laughs> yeah I mean, when you put it like <laughs> Michael Myers level, sure. I'm not putting myself on that. Oh, you know, <laughs> William Shatner, whichever way you look at the mask. Yeah. No, but I think it's there's just something about it that, like, allows you... He, I mean, if, if we're talking about him looking cool, then it, it does have that... There's, there is that attraction to it, that anyone could be him, anyone can be cool. Yes. Because you can become him. Like, not everyone could be a Han Solo. Not everyone could be a Luke Skywalker. 
Because if you don't look like him, it's gonna be it's gonna take you a few extra steps to be like, yeah, I can be that person. And anyone or I can who be listens, as cool as Lando. Anyone who but, listens to this show quite clearly knows by now which characters Jose is gonna identify with, and I'm gonna <laughs> identify with. Well, no, I, I like Han Solo, but <laughs> so it's not. I'm not dissing anyone. I'm just saying that in general, it, it has it offers that potential when you leave a character blank. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it does also lead to, um for messy storytelling and inconsistencies True. that I talked about earlier. There's so many, uh, I'm going to discuss a couple of these, but there's so many stories where he's just a mean ass bounty hunter. Okay. He's, well, tell me he's got a bounty hunter. He gets his prey. That's the end of the story, <laughs> but great story. Exactly. No, and that, that <laughs> is my point. You know? Yes. Lots of action. He traps his prey with devices or whatever, you know, if you've got a price on your head, you're not getting away from him. But how many yeah. of those stories need to be told until you've read them all, regardless of... Yeah. And most of them did exist in comic form, so it's all about the yeah. visuals. You try and do that in prose, it's going to get boring very quickly, isn't it? Right. It's right. This guy's got a price on his head. Boba Fett turns up. Oh, he's got him. End, end of story. Just that good. Yeah, end of, yeah, exactly. End of story. Yeah. You know, unless these writers didn't know how to... Or weren't brave enough to give him a a motivation, uh, a reason for doing what he do, any sort of backstory. Yeah. So, like I said, that one story existed that was brave enough, and even that story was it was written by a uh, Daniel Keyes Moran, and it was edited to hell by the guys at um, Lucasfilm or Lucas Books or whoever it was, and yeah. he, he he pretty much disavowed the story because his original story was changed that much yeah, that it wasn't the story that he wrote. So, so you're saying that across history of Boba Fett, people have had a like difficulty kind of giving him a reason to do what he does. Apart from it being, I'm the best. So I'm going to continue being the best. So, in a way, Luke Boba Fett has continued that history. (laughs) (laughs) Because why did he do everything he did? Not even, like Cad Cad Bane said, what is your angle? So, even within the actual story, it's like, why are you doing it? Why are you even doing this? So, okay, so, (laughs) Book of Boba Fett. We'll talk about this briefly, the show. Yes. So, the show's over now. It was... Mm. I remember going into our Slack and after watching the finale, the first four episodes were slow, right? Of Book of Bob Fett. Yes. They were slow. And again, there were some characterization issues because nobody had ever written Boba Fett before. Characterization was kind of all over the place. Yes. Episode five, Mandalorian season three. Loved it. Amazing. Best episode of the season. Episode six. No, Luke Skywalker. Best episode of the season. Oh, <laughs> two, two of those, yep. yeah. Episode those seven, it was okay. It, it was okay. It, eh, my, I mean, it was a little, it was a little kid playing with his toys. I, I went into our Slack and I said, "That'll do, Star Wars. That'll do." You know, I, it didn't offend me. It, it didn't make me cry or weep or anything no. like that. But it'll do. It was all right. It, it was fine. Um, I. I, I just think of like a five year old with all his action figures just like slamming them against each other. Yeah. 
He's just like, yeah, fight, 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 fight. Well, yeah. And so, you know, it was fine. I don't, I don't know why we expected much more. Um, because there was a huge build-up. But there wasn't. Why are we sh- why, there, there why, why know, show the whole thing with the Tusken Raiders? Why go into the past of it all if it's not going to pay off at the end? It, but it wasn't a huge build-up. Those were four very oh, no, it wasn't a huge build up, but they're episodes. No. True. It wasn't a huge buildup, but they bring it up, and narr- the narrative of it is like, okay, so so is this going to pay off at some point? If I'm going slowly through all this stuff, if I'm getting to see what happened between the end of Return of the Jedi to Mandalorian, there has to be a reason for it. And sure, you can say that he's just trying to be a good person now, but come on. Like, it says, like, there's such weak storytelling. Sorry, but, I'm not. But if you, <laughs> I have my notes on this if, show. If, if, you put, if you put the facts on paper... Yes. If if you take away what you actually saw with what happened, and sometimes you have to do this for Star Wars. Yeah. So what happened versus what you saw yeah. is that Boba Fett got out of Sarlacc. It was captured by the Tuscans. He spent yes. four years under them. Again, that wasn't clear in the show, but he spent four clear. years under them, learning to be part of a tribe, feeling to be part of the family again. Yes. And then when they're all murdered... He goes to the town that is most being oppressed by the people who killed his family, the Tuscans, called in some old friends, which is something he never would have thought of doing before, Mm -hmm. built his new own community, took a stand against the Pikes, who were threatening a community he had now adopted as his own. That's a a great story, right? That's a great story. In the town he's, he was wanting to protect, and he destroys yeah. it by bringing his. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, you know, <laughs> he he could have holed up in his palace and had it, him had his stand there. It it could so have been th- directed by Zack Snyder, <laughs> <laughs> but it, everything that I just said that happened, but the emotional heft of the story that I just told didn't necessarily come across in the show that we watched. Yeah. That's yeah, but that that's, is what just... happened. That it, what happened is fine. It was. It's more about the the um, the choice, the way it was conveyed, what they decided to show. Yeah. Because it's also even to me like so. Yeah. I mean, I, I joked about you know I said that you were gonna flash back to tank last last time <laughs> because it's sort of like okay, so that is how, that is your excuse to go to going into your your flashbacks. So now that he's healed, supposedly like he doesn't. We don't get to see any more of that backstory. And there was also a huge gap, like you said. Um, it just. Like him going from like, what are, are we to assume that he was just like roaming around his bantha for like years? No, after no, they no, were no, 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 no. I took from it that he was with the Tuscans for years. So by the end of it, so he was just wearing that like yeah that yeah <laughs> that the white yeah. <laughs> pajamas for years yeah. like those crusty like like. Poor man. Like I did, want, him I did want to robes. see him. I did want to see him get whole tuskened up, but <laughs> yeah, because that was one of my. Because th- obviously, yeah. I'm a timeline guy. I yes. I love the timelines. Um, it Poor does. Man it does seem that the, the end the of white long johns for for four years. Yeah, the end of the flashbacks have to tie in fairly quickly to the beginning yeah. of his first appearance in the Mandalorian. Yeah. in yeah. the Mandalorian. Yeah, but that does take us into the meat of what we're actually going to talk about now. Okay, we're thirty-five minutes. We're in We're thirty-five so minutes we'll... in already, and okay, we're going to talk By the about. Way, yes, I did enjoy watching the series. I just have 
issues with something. So, but I just want to clarify. I mean, it was it's still fun to watch. So I'm not just and like, it produced two of the best it. TV episodes of Star Wars in all time. Uh, yes, it's, it's not a massive plot to choose from. We've only had you know no. one live action series, but yes, those two episodes were groundbreaking and amazing, and right. made me feel all sorts of things. Right. So maybe just keep those two episodes. The rest just throw out. <laughs> Anyways, uh, okay, so so, um... so we've had the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Uh-huh. Now we're going to talk about the other books of Boba Fett. Ah, I see what you did there. Absolutely. I can produce Your a panel for you. You're you not well. the only one. <laughs> so we are going to concentrate on post-Return of a Jedi, Boba Fett in Legends. We okay. can't cover his entire story, but let's see how this ties into the characterization we've seen in the book Boba Fett versus what existed in Legends. Okay, so I want to start with, why was Boba Fett at Jabba's Palace to begin with? I don't know. You do? Because we've spoke about this. <laughs> so at the end of um, at the end of Shadow... I was just... <laughs> Go on. I was allowing you to keep going. <laughs> at the end of Shadows of the Empire, um, Boba Fett delivers Han Solo in Carbonite to Jabba. Yes. Now, there's various skirmishes between him and IG-88 before he actually lands on the planet. But in the Battle of the Bounty Hunters pop-up book, at the very end, Jabba pays him extra to stick around for a while in case Han's friends turn up to rescue him. Now, there's pretty much three months that take place during the Empire Strikes Back movie. Shadows of the Empire probably takes place over three months in itself. So you're talking... Because Empire Strikes Back in Legends kind of happens in March of the year, Return of the Jedi happens in October, you've kind of only got about three months that Boba Fett was at Jabba's Palace. Uh, question. Yes. But now with what we know now with Kira being involved in all this stuff. Yes. She, she, she steals Carb- Carbonite Han, right? In canon War of the Bounty Hunters, yes. So... Well, yeah, I guess we're with Shadows of the Empire. I guess that's not canon. So no, I we're, we're purely talking legends yeah. today, Jose. Purely yeah. legends. Okay. okay. So again, you haven't. I'm the, I'm you haven't read any of I was trying to see if there was a way to also, you know, again, like if you squint your eyes or well, if, it, if you're able to kind of like again, it could it. work. Uh, does he get delivered to Jabra at the end of War of the Bounty Hunters? I'm pretty sure he does. So in that case, no, it wouldn't work at all. But anyway, so. Okay. Uh, and then Return of the Jedi happens. He gets thrown into the Sarlacc pit. This is where things get interesting now. And there will be many, many parallels to Book of Boba Fett from Legends. So he gets thrown into the Sarlacc pit. In the Sarlacc pit, Boba finds himself basically conversing with a voice that's in his head. Because... The Sarlacc pit has absorbed many victims over the years. And through whatever Star Wars physics, biology, magic, there's some sort of collective consciousness. (laughs) Yeah. So he finds himself talking to a guy called Suzejo. What was that? Suzejo. And it's essentially, it was kind of some anagram for um, Jesus. 
but he's like Vasalak's oh lord he's Vasalak's first victim from like 4,000 years ago Mm -hmm. and various victims have since been absorbed and he can access all the conscious consciousnesses uh huh and uh over the course of the story, Bob has realized that, you know, he's trapped. He can't move. He can't access his weapons. But eventually he manages to use his jetpack and all his grenades to blast a hole in the sand and crawl his way out. It's a very similar to Bug Bob Fett. The whole hand coming out and crawling. Up, it's very, yes. very similar to that. Yes. But there's a joke in the story. Now, the story is called Above Like That. Now, Above is essentially a Star Wars cow. Mm-hmm. And I copy and pasted the whole thing here into my notes. For So, Sosegio is telling this story. He says, there's a joke, said the voice, that my Jedi told me. Because Vasalak had ingested a Jedi long ago and he could have access his memories too. A sentient visits a nearby farm and sees a barb in the front yard. The barb is wandering around on five legs. One leg has been amputated. The sentient in question asks the owner why the barb has had that leg amputated. Well, the owner says, let me tell you about that barb. That's the smartest barb you've ever seen in your life. That barb talks, he can fly a speeder, and he's great with the kids. Keeps an eye on him when I'm out in the field. Why, just a few weeks ago, he rescued my youngest one from drowning. And the sentient said, that's amazing. What happened to the amputated leg? The owner stares at him and says, well, man, you don't need a barb like that all at once. <laughs> and that's the whole crux of his story. But essentially, Fett gets out. And there's a side note to the story that says he returns a year later in Slave 2. So obviously, Boba Fett's ship is called Slave 1. He returns in Slave yeah. 2 to burn the Sarlacc with its engines. Again, very similar to what yes. we saw in Book of Boba Fett. But Suzejo telepathically communicates with Boba Fett while he's up there and says, you know, why are you doing this? Yeah. And Boba Fett stops short of completely killing the Sarlacc and says back to him, well, you don't eat a barb like this all at once. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and promises to come back later. Uh. <laughs> That's pretty good. But technically, Fett escaped the Sarlacc twice. Because in Marvel number 81, Jawas of Doom, which was one of these almost canon, not quite canon, and I'm sure we spoke about it before, Boba Fett escapes. He's found by the Jawas, again, very similar to Book of Boba Fett. Mistaken yeah. for a droid, so they stick a restraining bot on him. Ends up on the Sandcrawler. Yeah. Uh, has a bit of a skirmish with Han and Leia while also suffering amnesia. And then the Sandcrawler goes back in with Sarlacc with Fett. Inside it. Oh my god. <laughs> so, you know, which escape from a Sarlacc are you going to pick? Yeah. Well, how many Sarlaccs are there in Tatooine? On Tatooine? I, I don't know. I mean, oh, where is it where you see a Sarlacc in a jar? What story is that? Like, I assume there's more than one, right? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a story where someone's got a baby Sarlacc in a jar, and I can't remember what story it is off the top of my head. And yeah. I'm sure there's also a connection to Galaxy's Edge. There's also a, there's a Star Wars Tales story um, that sees a hairy rabbit person being thrown into a Sarlacc, which I think... Oh. Yeah, it's, it's not quite uh, it's not huh? quite Jackson. 
He's like a short, <laughs> stumpy, hairy rabbit okay. guy. Oh, that's fine. Um, I did have rabbit sausage last night. I think night, that so story fine. tells like the birth of Jabba's Sarlacc. Um, I don't think they're common by any stretch. I mean, they, oh, they're gigantic they wouldn't be. creatures. Yeah, and they're you know thousands and thousands of years old. So yeah. I, I don't think they're common. There's that uh, there's that like cross section of a sarlacc or 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 the sarlacc pit um in that book that is like it's, it's an older book, but it kind of just shows you how deep the sarlacc goes and all the different things about it. It's, uh, it's really and, and that one story uh, that tells about Bobber escaping the sarlacc talks about corridors and passageways and yeah. it's all membranes and stuff. But because it is kind of telepathic, he. He's almost trying to offend the Sarlacc to get a reaction to loosen the 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 veins around him, the muscles mm-hmm. around him, oh, yeah, in order for him to reach his weaponry. Yeah, absolutely, because mm-hmm. he's the best mm-hmm. of the best. Um, but hey, is he? App- apparent Star Wars tells us so. I think Cad Bane is better. <laughs> anyway, so oh, he is. So he's out of the Sarlacc. <laughs> his armor has been completely dissolved by the acids within the Sarlacc. Oh, he's so he does. Sarlacc he acid loses his armor completely. Can can eat through Beskar. Yes, Beskar okay. didn't exist when these stories were written. Mm-hmm. So, so Beskar was like regular, yeah, just regular armor, regular steel, armor. iron, whatever, whatever armor is made out of. I don't know. I'm not a medieval knight. Um, Dura steel, maybe. Um, Transparent steel. So then uh, we go to that's, the that's Star Trek. We, we go to the Bounty Hunter Wars trilogy, written by K.W. Jetta, and was he the guy who wrote Blade Runner? I think he's the guy who wrote the original story that Blade Runner is based oh. on. Oh, um, awesome! Yeah. So Dengar finds Boba Fett. Dengar, you like Dengar? Dengar and Manaru, his wife, who has recently been recanonized. So. Mm-hmm. They go back to the wreckage of Jabba's sail barge, you know, because there's, there's good stuff there. Why not? Yes. Um, and they stumble across Boba Fett in, in his rags, and they decide to, to help him. And while he's recovering on Dengar's ship, this is where it gets really weird, the, the parallels. Uh-huh. Fett's having flashback dreams. Because this entire trilogy is told over two time frames post-Return of a Jedi, and just after A New Hope. Okay. So, throughout the trilogy, there's all these flashbacks that apparently Fett is having whilst recovering from the Sarlacc. (laughs) Okay. So again, very similar, although it is one of the most convoluted plots in the entirety of Star Wars publishing. Really? It's nuts. (laughs) <laughs> and it boils down to uh, somebody from a Kuat uh, drive shipyards trying to push forward fake video evidence that Prince Sheezor was responsible for the stormtroopers killing Luke's auntie and uncle in the hope that Luke would turn against the Empire, but they used that to blackmail someone else. It's all very, very confusing. Oh. It's really yeah, convoluted, <laughs> and how Boba Fett ties into this, and yeah, yeah, it's really it sounds unnecessarily like convoluted. Yes, yeah, very, very much. But by the end of the trilogy, Boba Fett's back on his feet, 
but he wants the galaxy at large to think that he's still dead because it serves his benefits and adds to the enigma and the mystery. Yes. Yeah. Well, he he does also mention that in Book of Boba Fett, right? He says that there's an advantage for two people thinking you're dead. Yeah, absolutely. But the whole anonymous thing doesn't last very long chronologically in Legends because these people didn't write together or plot together. So yes. in the novella Dark Forces Rebel Agents, which is a lead-in slash adaptation of the second Dark Forces game, mm-hmm. there's a, a droid information broker called AT88 who tries to hire Boba Fett as protection because he's got a meeting planned with Kyle Katarn and he wants to make sure his back's covered. But Fett turns down the job because he's heard of Kyle Katarn. So that just proves that Kyle Katarn is the Chuck Norris of Star Wars. If <laughs> Boba Fett is turning down a job because of Kyle Katarn, then, you know, you're in trouble. Yes. <laughs> and so... Between these stories and any significant characterization or storyline development of Boba Fett, there is a ton of throwaway stuff. So you have stories like Twin Angels of Destruction, where Boba Fett goes up against Jodo Cast, who we've spoke about as a Mandalorian or a Boba Fett imposter. He was in Dark Empire, but his sole purpose was to still be working with Dengar and still be hunting in hand. That was it. You've got loads of one-shots with titles like Bounty on Barcuda, Agent of Doom, Murder Most Foul, When the Fat Lady Swings. Um, he's in Crimson Empire 3, where he captures Kirkanos, who's like the main protagonist of the Crimson Empire series. And they just they just throw away. They're going back to that, we didn't know how to write Boba Fett stuff. But there's a story I've been saving for a special occasion because hmm. we've spoke about mandalorians and we've yes. spoke about wannabe boba fett's we've never spoke about boba fett himself and especially in the context especially in the context of parallels to this series uh-huh there's a short story by paul danner from adventure journal number 14 called no <laughs> no disintegrations please okay <laughs> And it's uh-huh. it's one of these stories with a frame story. So it's got an intro, an outro, and the flashback. Yeah. So on the planet Ladara, a guy who's only known as the storyteller is talked to a group of kids. And he's telling a forgotten adventure of Boba Fett and his job to hunt down this one guy called Revo Sharon for crimes against Jabba. During the hunt, Fett learns that there's more to the story than he was told. And he comes to a compromise with Revo to tell Jabba that Revo perished in the destruction of an Imperial garrison. Although Fett does say that one day he will find Revo and finish the job. So as the storyteller finishes his tale and the kids disperse, a little girl asks if Fett was a good guy or a bad guy. The storyteller says, well, you know, that's down to you to make your own mind up. So the kids go away, and Fett turns up. He's been there the whole time. The storyteller is Revo, the guy that he was once paid to hunt down and promised he would find. Mm. Fett throws a silver ball at Revo, which Revo mistakes to be a thermal detonator. But it's in fact 
the credits to the equal amount of Jabba's original bounty. And when the storyteller asks what it is, Fett answers many things. A new end, a new beginning, and maybe the answer to a little girl's question. And that's huh. the most like the Boba Fett that we see in the book of Boba Fett that Legends ever gave us. Yeah. Huh. You know, they, they hinted at it. They hinted at him trying to turn his life on bounty hunting and go straight. Yeah. Uh, but we never quite saw it. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I think, to, to, you know, I, I did bring up Cad Bane as a, as a better bounty hunter or whatever. And I think it's just Cad. To me, okay, Cad Bane is more of that. More of why was it? But <laughs> he's just he's he's more ruthless. Like he does, he really doesn't care about the morality of anything that he's being asked to do. Whereas I think that but that Boba does Fett, Boba Fett has most of the stories that we see him in. Yeah, I I think yeah, can canon wise, and he, and in, in this story that you just, you just said, I think that they're they do try to give him some sort of moral compass, or at least he has. He's aware of, you know, like he might take a job, he might not. It just sort of like, or he might take it and then just like, if it's terrible, but then he might like just fake the person's death or something. But that that viewpoint on Boba only comes from his introduction in Attack of the Clones and mm-hmm. Django's, um, Django's job in raising him as yeah. a, a simple man trying to wake his way in the universe and Right, instilling right. some sort of moral compass in him before two thousand two, right. that never existed. Right. So, the huh. the rest of Boba's kind of legends journey, he was he was never mentioned in the New Jedi Order series by name, but there was a novella called A Practical Man, which sees him as leader of the Mandalorians already, and that story was yes. never written; it was never told. There was. A lot of retcons to how it happened and lots of reference book stuff to tell that story. But there was never a book about it. And that covers years of the New Jedi Order using Long War. So by the end of it, they're working from the inside to help sabotage the using the war effort. There's a story in Tales 18 where Han's forced to crash land on a Raxus Prime, which people would recognize from the Clone Wars by what uh-huh. appears to be Slave One, but he finds himself hunted over weeks by Boba Fett, but it's not just one Boba Fett. It turns out there's lots of Boba Fetts, but in reality, they're all Mandalorians who just have the same color scheme as Boba Fett, and he, he's just been using Han to weed out the weaker ones, and he kind of says oh to him God. at the end, and this is just a couple of months after Vector Prime, he said, you know, tell the New Republic that the Mandalorians are back, and they're working for the highest bidder, and the Vong seem to have all the credits. Obviously, the uh, Practical Man, know, uh, anyone who's read Practical Man would know by the end of it, they are working against the Vong. Then you have the Legacy of the Force series, where Fett's all by this point. His cells are degenerating, he has cancer. His entire part in that series revolves around seeking help from Kamina ones to heal himself, rebuilding Mandalore, rebuilding relationships with his family via his granddaughter, and also, you know, training Jaina Solo up to kill her brother, Jason Solo. Yes. And that pretty much is Boba Fett's entire journey in Legends. I'd skipped over the last bit because it's not relevant to Book of Boba Fett, but but doing my research for the show, there are so many parallels with what we saw 
and they would be accidental. I, I don't think that John Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni read a lot of these stories. Um, that no disintegrations one really stood out to me as the is Boba Fett a good girl or a bad guy. That yeah, that no, one really that's... really stood out to me. Yeah, no, I I really like that one. It's I yeah, I wonder. I mean, the, do you they they do work with the story group, right, or don't they for the Disney Plus shows? Um, and they does I would like to think so. <laughs> yeah, and 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 does the entire story group like how much have they read? <laughs> but I mean, Pablo Hidalgo's on the storybook. He has read everything and contributed to most okay. of it. But so... but we've spoken about this before. The purpose of the story group is not to restrain storytellers. No, it's, no. But if they have some, it's to question... say if if you need a planet, we can give you one. If you right. need information, we can give it to you. If they choose to overrule the story group, the story group cannot rein them in. Hmm. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just wondering, like, as a resource, how, like, besides just like, oh, give me a, a planet, like, I, you know, how yeah. do they, like, when when you see actual sort of like stories that are so much a parallel to something that was written before, like, I'm assuming that some of the, some of that may have like come up in a conversation. At the very least, and you know, pa- like, oh, yeah. Pablo Hidalgo was—he was part of um, Lucasfilm or Lucas Publishing back from the early '90s. So things yeah. like uh, "No Disintegrations, Please," he probably yeah. had some involvement in that. So right. it goes back to that—that that journey of Boba Fett from being this ruthless, enigmatic bounty hunter to someone yeah. with a bit more of a, a conscience and a soul and willing to stand up you know to be oppressed right right and i mean and, and obviously dave filoni has been around like star wars for a long time as well so which does lead us into our batshit crazy book of a the week there we go i was wondering how to like how to transition into that but i, I didn't even mean to <laughs> say this one thing about dave filoni right now like it to get to this other part but um, that was, yeah, good good segue, Trev. And we good haven't done... I've been paying attention to Eric. Uh, uh, <laughs> and we haven't done this in a while. It's the Batshit Crazy Book of the Week. Part of, of course, my Batshit Crazy Book of the Week is not even a book. <laughs> so Maybe segment of the week? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> story of the week? There we go. Batshit Story of the Week. That's what we're going to call it. There we go, it. yes. So, at the end of The Clone Wars... The first time round, before Netflix mm-hmm. picked it back up, there was many unproduced arcs. They'd written Disney the script. Picked it back up. No, Netflix. Netflix did the sixth season, and then Disney Plus did the seventh season. Oh, okay, okay. Because originally it was Cartoon Network. Yes. So Netflix yeah. picked it back up before Disney Plus picked it back up. Oh wow! I didn't realize that. Um, okay. So there was a load of unproduced arcs. Previs was done. Scripts were done. Yes. We've seen some of it. Ahsoka novel. That was from unproduced scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Disciple was... Dark Disciple, also... yeah. And some of those unproduced scripts got uh, transformed into the Bad Batch series. Yep. But there was also uh, an arc with Cad Bane and Boba Fett. So mm-hmm. within this uncompleted arc, we see... Boba Fett teaming up with Cad Bane. And we're talking teenage Boba Fett. So he's going to be, what, yes. 12, 12 years old, max. Um, they're on a mission to rescue a child from Tatooine. 
I don't know any other information. It's I've, I've done my research to hell out of this bit. I can't find any more information yeah. apart from they're paired up to rescue a kid from Tatooine. Yes. So, at one point, Cat uh, tells Boba to allow himself to be kidnapped and, a quote, dragged away again, like we see in Boba Fett. Yes. And apparently this episode has shown us a lot more of Tuscan law, a lot more variety within Tuscan society, including, like, shamans and stuff. So, again, mm-hmm. this is stuff that we've seen. And then... After this mission goes wrong, Fett and Bane find themselves on opposite sides with Bane holding hostages during a showdown. Now, if you take the Book of Boba Fett finale and compare it to everything I've just talked about, as far as De- John Favreau and Dave Filoni are concerned, this happened. Yes. This absolutely happened. And, and what, there's, yeah, there, what, what we're going to do now is we're going to play you the audio from some of these clips they're very short we're not going to get sued they're very short (laughs) and once you hear it you will it brings that showdown between cab bane and boba fett in that last episode gives it a whole new context because it did kind of feel like for the casual viewer they'd missed something yeah Yeah. and that something never got made (laughs) you know yeah these these guys were writing to finish a story but never got released yeah and you know at the end of the episode the episode uh that's also how boba fett gets a dent on his helmet damn it i was just gonna say that because <laughs> because everything in star wars needs an origin story right everything yeah. so Cad <laughs> you, you can't have anything without an origin story for that dent yes which is is a it's a cool bit to see, um, and yeah. So we'll play it here, but also you can find it on on YouTube if you search for it. And uh, so yeah, those are really. I mean, yeah, they're like two minutes long at the most. Yeah, we so. we'll put them in our Discord. All right, so here we go. Play. We're about to be ambushed. Are you sure? Yep. We are completely surrounded. It's gonna be a pretty good scrap. We can take him. Oh, I'm sure we could, but instead, I want you to let yourself get captured. What? No way! Look, the only way we're gonna be able to find their camp is if they take you alive and drag you back to it. Get ready. Here they come. so hasty now, boy. Let them go, Bane. This isn't their fight anymore. <laughs> Always fighting for those in need. That's a quick way to wind up poor or dead. And probably both. No more innocent people are going to die. All be locked up, all live in fear. Looks like your little insurrection has failed. Now surrender, and I'll let your friends walk away. So that's it. Just you and me, then, Boba Fitz. I guess it is. 
Alright, so yes, uh, hope that you guys enjoyed that clip right there, or those clips. I don't, I'm assuming you put in both clips, right, Trap? I edited some stuff, it's fine. Okay, so good. Well, I think that that basically covers it for today. Uh, And we'll just do our outro right now and then stay tuned because then we're going to do our very first bedtime story. But um, as Trev just said, you know, we're going to post the links to these two uh, uh, YouTube videos on our Discord. So if you haven't joined Discord, go ahead, go to utinian.com slash Discord. Click the join now button on that page because not only will you get the links to this uh, YouTube videos, but you'll get um, access to a whole bunch of other conversations happening in there and people sharing their artwork, fanfic, selling their books, collectibles, and everything else that is being talked about in there. Um, if uh, So I'll be hanging out in there. If uh, You can also find me on Twitter at uh, djoxy. And what about you, Trev? I am at Davy Todd on Twitter. All right. And he's also hanging out in the Discord. Oh, and always. He can always. answer any and all your questions about Star Wars timelines some, and anything related Some questions. To I can answer some uh, questions. <laughs> Try to stump truck. That's my, <laughs> that's my task to you guys. Uh, so... Thank you, Trev. Thank you to all of our Patreon members for supporting us and making this show possible. Thank you, listeners, for continuing to hear us talk about anything and everything Star Wars. And uh, now, welcome to the new segment of the Star Wars Archives called... Star Wars Archives Bedtime Stories. There you go. That. that Star Wars Archives Bedtime Stories. Well, hello there, fellow Star Wars fans. When Trevor approached me with the idea of a new section for the Star Wars archives, where he handpicks pieces for people to read as bedtime stories, I said, sure, that sounds weird enough to work. Of course, I have to be the guinea pig of this experiment, and well, here we are. All right, so this particular poem is from The Essential Guide to Warfare, co-authored by Jason Fry and Paul Archihart, uh, published in 2012, and it is called The Werda Verda. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. And so upon his pyre burned the doom of Ulmara, and the warrior bands stood as ragged as bandits in zigzag lines of mourning. With the dawn, the flat-faced Zell would come, cackling and howling, oozing mirth and tricks, and find the shade of the doom departed and the tongues unprotected. And so with the dawn would our woe be revealed. Our once bright armaments would become stacked grave goods, trophies for Zell children. Our flesh would become smoke given to uncaring gods, and the sky would forget our names. With death upon him, Rexutu, the unconquerable, prepared to be stripped of all by his enemy, but vowed that his honor would be the last to be torn away. And so the unconquerable gathered his kinsmen and his oath-girdlings alike. They polished their fearsome helms, that they might flash even in the weak sun of Notron. They rewrapped the hilts of their weapons and pounded straight the shafts, that they might slake their thirst in Zell Ikor a final time. 
assembled, they ascended in taut tongue lines to the high place where the river had staked his standard before it was cast down into the mire. They gazed out over the gathering places and walking ways of great zeal, where they scaled peak and cradled valley, the line of lights ordering the night. They unfurled the tongue banner, reversed a reckless thing, snapping in the dark, awaiting zeal eyes. And they performed ceremonies of leave-taking, for now they had died the world and must be remade amongst the stars. When the dawn came, the zeal awakened and saw the tongues upon the high place where they were afraid, and they were afraid. For the morning light caught the glint, the glint of helms and weapons and created phantom warriors made of dazzle and distance. But the cleverest of them were not deceived and saw how few we were. And so they assembled without haste, merry in mockery, and prepared to march. And in the high place we awaited death. But then came a shaking of the ground, and the sun's wan light was eclipsed by a bright and terrible fire that exploded from the rock. The patterns of great zeal shivered and broke, and after this came darkness, as for very as the very air turned to black ash. The zeal fell on their faces in terror, and from the high place we ran in haste to meet them, and we were cloaked in shadow. The maker had come to unmake, and the tongs would be his instruments. Well, um, I don't know uh, what to say about this, other than, I guess, uh, the high ground is still a thing, or was a thing before the prequel movies, um, or the high place in this case. Well, thank you, Trevor, for sending this to me. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, first instance of Star Wars Archives Bedtime Stories, and let us know what you think. Um, see you later. And that was our <laughs> bedtime story. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. And now I can say radio out. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>